Hello and welcome everyone to a sports ethos fantasy baseball podcast called It's Gone. I'm your host, Britton Allen. And heck yeah, opening day was great. And I couldn't be happier. The regular season is finally here. Today is March uh, 31st, Friday, the day after opening day. So we are going to talk about all things opening day plus some injury news, some unfortunate injury news that is pretty impactful to fantasy baseball. But first, I have the honor, the privilege, and the distinction to welcome a very special guest host who is taking the fantasy world by storm like King Kong in New York, his Palazzo 2Ls, 2Ts podcast, and his work at FTN Fantasy is fantastic. But this man is world famous for his fantasy baseball knowledge. The Palazzo podcast is not just numbers and information. Oh, no, sir. No, sir. The fun is contagious. The humor is infectious. And that is because my guest is a walking breathing let the good times roll machine but there's more i've met this man uh in arizona and i can tell you personally he is one of the good guys he is generous he is kind and respectful and one of the most genuine people i've met in the fantasy baseball in industry and about a year ago, he came on. I had a little YouTube video show called Three is the Magic Number, and he couldn't have been a nicer guy and greater sport about it, even though I sprung on him like a trap, like that old game board game mouse trap. I sprung a trap on him, and I threw an 80s trivia sitcom trivia game on him, and he was a great sport. We had a good time. And no matter where life takes me, no matter how many years roll by, I will never forget that this man knew the home planet of ALF off the top of his head. I will forever be impressed with him. It is my pleasure to welcome Michael Govier to the podcast. What's up, Michael? Wow! I gotta tell you, Mel Mac is always gonna be in my heart because once you've experienced the environment of Alf, the uh, effervescence of the show and the world that Alf created, Mel Mac is a place that though it uh, is no longer available to us all, it's always gonna be a part of us going forward. So I'll never forget Mel Mac, and I'll never forget Alf. Alf changed my life for the better, and I'm probably the person I am today because of that alien. And and. Not only was Alf so culturally significant, but he pioneered the feline decline of the population by his love of eating cats, which is the strangest <laughs> little thing that the writers put in a nationally televised show. But it's the 80s, and you know, kind of anything goes. Was all was bets are of, off. <laughs> like, I can't imagine those those showrunner uh, meetings. Hey, let's make them eat cats too. And somebody's like, okay. But you know, we were all they were also smoking cigarettes in planes in the eighties too. So <laughs> a little fictional cat eating was the least of the, everybody's worries. But Michael, how are you, man? It is so great to see you. I see you on the video, but talk to you on on the podcast. I'm so happy you're you're here because it's opening day, baby. It is opening day, and what a day it was. I'm still bitter about Ryan Helsley blowing the save against yeah. Toronto. I can't seem to let that one go, but otherwise, I'm pretty, pretty pleased that baseball's here. We got a full slate of games on Thursday. Friday, very light because we assumed there'd be a lot of rainouts, but there was not one single rainout from Thursday. And then Saturday, we'll be ready to go with the full slate of games again, and we'll be doing that for the next six months. It's so exciting. And I had Ryan Helsley, too, on a team. It was my auto new uh, league that I love. I, I tried auto new a couple of years ago, and it's quickly turned into my one of my favorite leagues. But I had Ryan Helsley going, who proceeded to 
plummet me to the bottom of the league with blowing, <laughs> with blowing up every statistical category you can as far as pitching goes. But that's okay. It's of course those that the first day of the year always uh, uh, always cut the deepest. But there were some other blow ups too, Michael. And I'm talking like big name guys. Uh, Jacob Degrom lasted a little over three innings. Aaron yeah. Nola, Alec Manoa. Oh man, oh man, he got blown up too in that same game. And Zach Gallen didn't have a great game either. Are you worried about any of these high profile? I mean, who's higher profile than Jacob DeGrom? I guess maybe Otani, but are you worried about any of those guys that got hit up a little bit? You don't want to get too caught up in your own mind. You don't want to get too up your own rear end. Okay. It's important that you just dismiss it as one day. Although opening day is very exciting and important to a lot of people. The outcome, the actual statistical output of that day means very, very little because it's only one out of 162. So in the end, you don't really remember what happened on opening day by the time you hit July. It's a distant memory. And DeGrom last year, when we did get to see him, he was a bit more hittable, but it also looked like there was a, a sense of luck that was playing into that where he wasn't really catching the breaks. But I have to say, the way he got rolled... And opening day makes me a little concerned. The Phillies are a really good lineup, so that's not it's not like he got ripped by the Oakland Athletics or that's my uh, Detroit Tigers. My Bozo Tigers are horrendous. Oh, First the time worst. the Tigers were ever shut out on opening day since 1989. Been a while. But DeGrom is a guy that I, I guess I'm a little more concerned. I'm going to be watching his next outing to see if he settles in and we just move forward from here because who knows? It could have been opening day jitters for a guy who, yes, he's 34 and he's been around a long time. But it was his first start with the Texas Rangers. You know, uh, those guys got blown up, but at least they played. Justin Verlander got put on the IL before the first pitch of of, uh, of this season was even thrown. And it looks like Tyler McGill is ready to step up and step into that spot for the Mets. Um, so there was another injury, too. I don't know if you saw this, but Max Freed was covering first on a play and kind of strained his hamstring and, it didn't look catastrophic, but it does look like he'll miss a few starts too. So of you know Max Freed, Justin Verlander, uh oh, looks like these aces are are, are going down. I mean, what is it? Is it panic time, or do we just need to take it easy? Add Tyler McGill and just keep keep the ship going. Well, two songs just came into my mind with everything you just said. First one was Aces High by Iron Maiden, because yes. you said Aces. Aces High! That's so high. He's way up there on Aces High. Yeah. And then the second one was Panic, and I thought of Panic on the Streets of London by the Smiths. Panic on the Streets of London. But I got to tell you, either way, I think we should all remain calm. Verlander doesn't sound as serious. I know a lot of people are comparing Verlander's injury, which is a similar one to what Tristan McKenzie has, who's supposed to be out for two months. But Verlander's only supposed to miss a start or two. He's also much, much older than Tristan McKenzie, so you got to put that into the equation. I wish I had not dropped Tyler McGill now. I didn't know that he would get such a quick opportunity because he was a guy I drafted a few times in some 15-teamers. And, and I dropped him in the first fab run because I thought he wouldn't be viable right away, but... Things change very quickly. So with Max Freed, maybe Ian Anderson gets called back up here. It's it also really good news for Schuster and Dodd. If Freed on the IL, that means that one of them gets to stick around even longer or maybe both. That's really, really good news if you took a risk on Jared Schuster or Dylan Dodd, the new hot studs in the Atlanta pitching core. But uh, I'd like to see Ian Anderson come back up and hopefully redeem himself this year. I don't know if they've officially made the move there on that. I have to double check that, but that would be what I'd like to see. Yeah, Ian Anderson had a, a good couple starts and then hit a rough patch, like really rough there for a little while and kind of ended the year on a little rough patch too. But, you know, he's he's one of their top prospects. And um, so he's, you know, got the talent and the, the pitching coaches to, you know, help him work that out in Atlanta Braves, which – you know, Jared Schuster was their number one prospect before he made the made the Atlanta Braves rotation too. And Dylan Dodd also had a fantastic spring. So mm -hmm. I hear what you're saying. 
let's let's not uh, let's not panic. Let's not go crazy. But there are plenty of young guys with talent that can that can come in and kind of offset a little bit of the loss. Because I I had Max Fried in a lot of places, and you know mainly it was NFBC draft and hold leagues, and I would wait until you know fifth sixth round, and Max Fried would be my starter. Because I thought everybody's sleeping on Max Fried, but he's been one of the best pitchers uh, in the league. Like. Julio Urias, I also thought was kind of undervalued for what he's done in the past three leagues. So I would always just go hitter, 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 or hitter, hitter, uh, closer, hitter. And then I would look for somebody in the Max Freed area. But hey, you know, it, it could be worse. It could, he didn't get carted off the field. He just, he, he looked like he was uncomfortable. So hopefully it'll just be one or two starts. But I don't want to keep it negative, man. It's opening day. <laughs> Hope springs eternal, Alexander Pope. Let's talk about some of the good things, the good pitchers. Shohei Otani. Oh, my God. He's going to be the richest man in, in baseball next year. He had mm -hmm. uh, 10K, six innings. And then, of course, some numbnut comes out there and blows the wind for him immediately, literally like the next inning. And I happen to know this because I live in Tennessee, Michael, and let's – Sports wagering is legal, and I had a sweet little parlay going with the Braves, the Yankees, and the Angels. And, of course, the the Angels reliever had to screw that up for me, but not that I'm bitter or anything. No! But, uh, Everybody loves losing. We had Dylan Cease, Garrett Cole, uh, Bieber played well, pitched well, and so did Urias. What did you think about those those aces? I thought I thought Cease was amazing. I watched his game. What did you think? I was thrilled to see Cease dominate like that, especially against the Astros, who are a real threat. That's a dangerous lineup. Because I went big on Dylan Cease in my first ever Tout Wars effort here. I'm in Tout Wars in the 12-team head-to-head auction. And Frank Stanfield of CBS, you may know him, he is the back-to-back -back defending champ of this league. And I Very gotta come impressive. get him. Yeah, he, Very he doesn't impressive. tout that at all. I mean, he he doesn't. I I would I would start off every podcast going. By the way, I'm <laughs> the reigning two time champion. He never brings it up. I don't know if you guys forgot, but I'm the back to back champion of the head to head twelve teamer. <laughs> yes, he. It's a points league, and the funny thing about this, I don't know if everybody knows, is that on the Tout Wars points head to head twelve teamer. The reigning champ gets to choose the scoring system because it's points, not cats. Oh, so, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and that's of course, awesome. Frank chose the CBS scoring system because, you know, that's his... he already won it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's his thing. So, I got to tell you, Cease will basically be my ace here because I also drafted Julio Urias. I bought him. Those are my top two starting pitchers. I, I drafted Julio Urias and Dylan Cease as my top two top war starters. I think I paid 27 for Urias and 22 for Cease, which was Dude, a I great deal. Yeah, awesome. because other guys like Aaron Nola, who got shelled yesterday, went for 30 bucks. So I, I feel like I got a nice little deal there. Oh, you got a great deal. That's fantastic. Uh, I'm I'm so excited that you, you got to participate in that. It sounds like, is this your first year? Yeah. It's the first time uh, I ever got invited to a Tout Wars event. There's several. For those that don't know, Tout Wars is a battle of the experts where people from all different kinds of publications and websites and podcasts come together to draft to take each other on. They've got AL only league and NL only league, the 12-team head-to-head, and some other leagues. And they happen all weekend in New York City. And it was the first time they've done this because COVID had delayed everything. So they hadn't done it in a couple of years. So it was great to be back. And I went to Midtown, walked around with Leanne and... There were so many people that you feel like you don't exist, basically, because there's so many damn people in Midtown Manhattan on a Saturday. But it was a great time. I really enjoyed myself. I like to have those experiences. You're, you're too humble to say this. So I will being invited to in the Tout Wars leagues is like being a made man in the fantasy baseball <laughs> community. It's like Tony Soprano and Polly Walnuts calling you to the basement and saying, hold <laughs> Hold this uh, Andre Jimenez's draft pick in one hand and light it on fire, and then they prick your 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 finger, and then you're 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 in for life. Uh, so, <laughs> so it's well deserved, Michael. Like it couldn't happen to a nicer or, or, or greater guy. So I'm I'm so happy for you and to, and, you, all you, and and I'm rooting for you too, man. You you got to go in there and beat those guys. And I you love <laughs> I, I love those pictures. You know, the uh, Shohei did what he was supposed to do last night. It's 
so disappointing. I think somebody posted a great tweet about every time I see a recap on an Angels baseball game, something amazing happened where Mike Trout went four for four and Shohei Otani did something that no player's done in a hundred years. And the Angels lost to the Tigers eight to three. <laughs> He's that so sums up the Angels, man. So much talent in those two bodies. And then the rest of the team cannot pick up the slack. And the bullpen, I actually thought was going to be a strength. And I'm not panicking. I mean, it's one stupid game, okay? Right. The Oakland A's come out. They got a bunch of scrappy guys, people who are hungry to prove the others wrong about how bad the Oakland A's will be this year. And on opening night, they were jacked, I'm sure. They were probably more jacked than the Angels were. And they beat them one night. Yeah, the bullpen blew it. That's okay. It happens. I still believe that the Angels made a lot of upgrades, bringing in Matt Moore. And, you know, Estevez is not a guy I actually really believe in. That's someone I'm less interested in. I actually drafted a lot of Jimmy Herget instead, hoping he would get the job. But they should be all right, hopefully. Yeah, I believe in the the Angels this uh, season. Um, Rendon's healthy, but it's hard to win a game scoring one run in nine innings. It's not impossible. Technically, it's not impossible, but it's really hard. And so they lost two to one uh, because the the, uh, the athletics scratched uh, t- two runs there at the end of the game. But that's okay. That's all good. It's just like you said, it's one game. And um, there are brighter days ahead for the Taylor Ward, uh, Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, and Anthony Rendon-led squad. Because frankly, there, there has to be. There just has to be. Well, you would really, really hope so. Also, real credit to Garrett Cole. We we don't even talk about him because he's just the assumed number one fantasy starter across most of the realm. Yeah. But he was really good those first four innings. He had 10 Ks through four oh, innings, great. I believe. Yeah. He was totally dominant of the Giants. And at the same time, my guy Logan Webb, got to give him credit. He had 12 Ks of his own for a guy who gets, he gets dinged because people don't think he strikes enough players out consistently. And one of my hopes by drafting Webb a couple times this year was that he would improve his K rate. So it's only one game. Can't overestimate that. But it was really nice to see Webb come out and throw gas and dominate with breakers and strike out 12 New York Yankees. That made my day because Logan Webb, for those of you who don't know, I also do the main event on NFBC, 15-team, 5x5 Roto, overall championship prize of $200,000. But just to win your league is $7,000. I'd be thrilled just to win my league. And... I took Webb as my number two starter behind Sandy Alcantara. So hopefully Webb will be a nice reinforcement behind us. Sandy Alcantara, who was kind of ho-hum yesterday. Wasn't that great? Uh, but I'm not worried about it. He doesn't have to play against Aaron Judge uh, in, a, in all the rest of the 161 games. So, mm. you know, that, that bodes well for him. Yeah, I believe his 12Ks were the highest of any San Francisco Giant on every day ever. Yeah, so, he beat Madison Bumgarner by one, I believe. Absolutely. So yeah, I think the the future is bright for for Logan Webb. I also, you know, I kinda, oh wait, sorry, uh, Mason Saunders. I'm sorry, Mason Saunders struck out eleven. Ah, wasn't wasn't that his name? His uh, his secret bull riding rodeo nickname or whatever Mason it was. <laughs> that guy has lost his mind, man. And I look, I, he's he's way more successful at his profession than I will ever be at anything. But that guy's cuckoo for cocoa puffs, and uh, you know. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I was going to say that I, I love, I'm not a huge Yankees fan or I, I don't hate the, you know, hate the Yankees or anything. So I kind of like watching New York being one of the first games on opening day with uh, San Francisco. Oh, I I don't like them at all. Yeah. (laughs) I'm a Midwesterner. We're, you know, Detroit, we don't get enough respect. So the East coast gets all the love. And that's the reason why I dislike the Yankees. It's not because they were the best team in the 20th century. It's just, there's too much of them. I, I gotta, You're if I'm gonna it. do this job, Britton, I gotta represent the Midwest and stand up for us. Yeah, I, I hear you. I'm me. I guess I'm more Switzerland on this. I just, I just kind of <laughs> watch because I know you love the Tigers be, because you're you're from Michigan and. You know, I grew up in a, a small town called Jackson, Tennessee, which is in between Memphis and Nashville, right? So, like, they played when I was growing up. They played um, they played the Cubs games on one network, and then on another one. They would play TBS, which was owned by Ted Turner, who so he would play all the Braves, you know, the Atlanta Braves, and yeah. So I kind of grew up watching the Braves, you know, with Glavin and and uh, uh, Maddox and uh, Smoltz and you know Chipper Jones and all those teams. But 
frankly, I never really cared for any of that. I don't know why. Maybe I'm a contrarian or something. So I kind of <laughs> grew up teamless, but I always loved baseball. So I kind of get like a, you know, just kind of a, a love of, of, of everything and their little quirks without identifying with one specific team, just cause you know, it's, it's where you grow up. It's, it's geography. Yeah. Right. But um, anyway, I was going to ask you some questions because I love overreacting on opening day and it's not cool. It's not wise. It's nothing you should do, but I'm going to do it anyway. It's like that last beer at last call. You don't need it. You shouldn't do it. Going to do it. <laughs> Give it to me because life is short and I want to overreact. So I'm going <laughs> to, I wanted to run by, I, I sent them to you. I wanted to run by some overreaction guys. And um, my first one was Yanir Diaz with the Astros. He was one mm -hmm. of their top prospects. Who I thought it was kind of surprising. He made the opening day roster um, and he's the backup catcher. And his uh, hit tool is fantastic. He just like steadily built on the minors progression. He was a stud. Uh, had the drive, the line drive rate, uh, OBP. I mean, for a catcher, this guy is kind of like Buster Posey-ish a little bit. Uh, he didn't get a hit yesterday, but Dusty Baker started him as their DH on opening day. What does that say? And uh, Batum six, which isn't great, but not bad for a rookie in his first ever Major League Baseball game. Would you? Did you get the chance to check out Yanier Diaz and the Astros? You know what? I like to come clean and keep it real with the people who listen and participate on the It's Gone network of podcasting and overall community building, if you will. Sports ethos. People know. They listen. And that's why they're here, Britton. And I got to tell the truth. Yeah, damn right. I didn't know anything about him. I didn't until yesterday i'm coming clean and i've been doing work all off season and i thought i knew it all and i'm like wait a minute where'd this guy come from i gotta be honest about it and come clean so yeah. i definitely dove in after the fact and i realized that wow his numbers are really really good double a and triple a and last year he had a combined 25 home runs between double and triple a that's really really nice uh, doesn't walk a ton but his k rates are all sub 20 percent everywhere he goes that's quality contact skills I just wonder how much of that is inflated by AAA because you got to be very, very careful. The AAA ball is juicy as hell. It's moist. It's sopping wet. It's ready to fly out of the park across all AAA ballparks. But you're right. A ringing endorsement. Opening day a DH. He's not even catching. He's like, yeah, we love this guy's bat so much. He's our opening day DH. He is 24 years old, so he's not a spring chicken. He's been around a little bit, but he's not old either. This is very intriguing, and I will keep my eyes on this because if he becomes the regular catcher, that's the other thing we need to know. How good of a catcher is he? How well does he handle his staff if he's going to catch at all? which I assume he would a little bit. That's what I want to know and I want to see as he progresses through the season to find out if he's a viable player that sticks on the roster indefinitely. That's such a great point, Michael, because being a catcher is way more important than your than your hit tool, obviously. It is about managing the pitching staff. And it, it must be a master plan uh, with the Astros brass to bring in Yanni Diaz and let him work with Martin Maldonado, who is Mr catcher extraordinaire terrible hitter absolutely <laughs> terrible like austin barnes type hit, terrible hitter. But, sorry I, I don't why did i feel the need to take a random austin barnes shot i don't i don't even oh, i was even, warranted no it was, that warranted. was weird i don't even know why no offense mr barnes I, you, you're probably a perfectly <laughs> wonderful person but he's I, listening I right know. now sorry mr austin barnes we apologize Please I, that, that, I did not mean it mr barnes i don't know what happened there but so Martin Martinaldo is is one of the most well-respected catchers in the league for his defense and his calling the game. So, you know, it makes sense that they would bring in Yanni or to let him kind of learn from, uh, you know, learn learn from the established veteran who hopefully can teach him a few things. He'll never be as good as Molinato, but you know, just you know, get him to a place where eventually he can, you know, it's kind of like the 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 Jedi and the Padawan. You know, just get to a place where you can take the trials and then, you know, I'll 
I'll go to the council and, you know, eat lobster every night and, you know, do some stuff. And then you go to the planets and do your thing. Like what, what, one of those situations, <laughs> you know, he had a great spring training too. I mean, he went 13 for 40 in limited duty and didn't show a ton of pop. Didn't walk much and struck out eight times with no walks, but I obviously was impressive enough. I will say we're recording this on Friday night. He is not playing tonight against the white Sox in game two. Oh, that's very interesting. Well, um, another guy on a different end of the spectrum is Reynaldo Lopez. And he got a lot of buzz too, because when Liam Hendricks went on the IL and, um, you know, uh, I'll, I'll shout out to Liam Hendricks. Hope, hope you're getting better, man. Um, one, of, yeah. one of the, one of the most more interesting guys in the game. Uh, but he's, uh, I believe it was none. What's it? Uh, Hodgkin's non-lymphoma Hodgkin's I I'm sorry yeah, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma yeah. non-Hodgkin's lymphoma excuse me I'm uh, I'm so sorry for butchering that uh, but <laughs> but he's but anyway so he's out of the picture for at least a little while if not a few months and then so who's going to be the White Sox closer because I don't know Michael you tell me I'm I was ex- you know I'm excited about the White Sox this year they they got rid of their manager and with all due respect to Tony La Russa, it's time it's time to Time, time to, time to, you know, hang out and, you know, go fishing or do something, but it's time to let a new manager come in and take control of these guys. And they've got Oscar Colas, they've got, you know, Tim Anderson is healthy. And I know they got, they uh, let Jose Abreu go to free agency, but they still got the heart of their team, which is Eloy Jimenez and so much potential. And Andrew Vaughn is going to be doing full-time first base and, not have to worry about running around in right field, which is he has, they should never have put him there in the first place, but that's not what happened. That's what they did. But I just think there's so much potential there. So the closer I think is going to be really, really valuable. And it's so up in the air, like Kendall Graveman was the guy that did the closing when Liam Hendricks last year was unavailable for whatever reason. And he was okay. Not good. Um, it was okay, <laughs> but not, nothing to, you know, like write home about. And But you also have Aaron Bummer, who they really like, but he's a lefty, you know, but they also got Deepman, who's a lefty. So long story, <laughs> overly detailed story short, Reynaldo <laughs> Lopez last night was throwing a hundred mile plus gas. It looked electric. Now, disclaimer, your novel has sent one of those hundred mile heaters out into you know right center 442 feet but he's not going to throw against uh, a hitter like Jordan over Alvarez all year or every single night so I'm going to kind of give him a pass on that but what do you think is Reynaldo Lopez the White Sox closer well, they went with Bomber Graveman Lopez in terms of order of bullpen use last night to confirm Dylan Cease's dominant 10K performance. But uh, Graveman got the win, by the way. Cease didn't have the lead at the time. It was a scoreless game, I believe. And Reynaldo Lopez is one of those guys that we have all sought after. We have hunted through the wilderness, <laughs> restless nights, hoping that one day he would be the savior that would save our village. Kind of like every fantasy movie or novel you ever read, whether it was Willow or Lord of the Rings or Star Wars, you know, Rodinaldo Lopez was the guy who would save this team and be the dominant starter. That didn't work out. And now we're hoping that he can be a dominant closer. And his fastball, I think, is still hittable no matter how hard he throws it. So that is mildly concerning to me. And we cannot take anything from the way the bullpen was used in one game. We just can't. Because Graveman could be the guy who gets the save still. They just, this is the Astros. The White Sox know the Astros are the cream of the crop, defending World Series champs. So they're going to do whatever they need to do. Everyone's going to do their job in the moment they are needed, regardless of fantasy outcome, right? So... I would love to see Ronaldo continue to take this job, but I think it's incomplete right now. I know in my home league, somebody rushed to the waiver wire and added him immediately last night. That's yeah. what we do there. We're crazy for closers. Cuckoo for closers. We always have been. We always will be. But 
I'm not sure how this will shake out just yet. I think we got to keep an eye on it. And Liam Hendricks was not added to the 60-day IL, so there is hope. He could be back sooner than later. That's something to keep an eye on as well. But also, uh, I wanted to mention, Britton, I'm huge on the White Sox this year. Tony La Russa being gone post-TLR. No more napping in the dugouts. No more of a depressive overall sad environment in the clubhouse. I don't know what happened. He was a great manager once upon a time, but he lost his way, and I truly believe he was the sole reason that this team was just a mess. And now that he's gone, they played great in September last year when he stepped away, and they beat the Astros right out the gate 3-2. to two. So I am very pro-White Sox, and I actually picked them to win the AL Central this year. I 100% agree. I think it's, it's an energy, and um, I think it's going to take a – a minute or two for like I think Oscar Colas had a hit last night, but I'm I'm excited about him too. So you've got these, you know, younger players, Yanier Diaz, and or excuse me, I, he's with the Astros, but I'm, I'm Oscar Colas. You've got you know Tim Anderson, who's like the heart and soul of that team. So I'm, I'm with you. I think the White look at this first six. This top six of this order. Just listen to the names: Tim Anderson, Luis Robert, Andrew Vaughn, Eloy Jimenez, and then Mancada. And then you got Benintendi. I mean, those are all legitimate, excellent baseball players. That's a fearsome lineup. And you got Colas and Andrews and Grandal bringing up the rear. There's a lot of fun and opportunity for this lineup to be very, very good this year. They just need some type of like um, major league. You know, they 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 bring in like a thing of Tony Larusa, and each win, <laughs> you know, they peel off in a like G-string. <laughs> <laughs> and say, oh, screw you, Tony. We're going to win and we're going to the playoffs this year. So, right. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I love the White Sox. Um, and of course, we all love the Dodgers. Uh, well, do we? Do no, we? You're right. <laughs> this goes back to what we talked about earlier about the, the, the Yankees. All right. I love the Dodgers because Mookie Betts is one of my favorite players. And yeah, I know. I'm a bandwagoner, but he actually lives here in um, in, in a suburb of Nashville, Tennessee. So really? I kind of I, I, I've always liked Mookie for a lot of reasons. Plus, he's a great bowler. And for some reason, I think that's the coolest thing ever. <laughs> and uh, Freddie Freeman, of, of course, is uh, uh, one of the uh, most professional, uh, you know, baseball players out there. Just a great guy. And they have a lot of other good players. Uh, but. Since we're overreacting to one day of the season, <laughs> but that's all we've got. Well, I guess games are starting up here in a minute, but I want to overreact to James Outman. And, you know, if you read baseball Twitter like I do every day, this is, you know, I'm not breaking any news here. It's his, uh, it, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a topic of several shows, but I, I watch him. I think he's going to be really good. He, he he bats at the bottom of the order. This is Dodger, Los Angeles Dodgers outfielder James Outman. He's a lefty that made the opening day uh, roster, and he's he's kind of interesting on many levels. All right, so you know you have the on the field production, and then you have the off the field component to every single baseball player. It's kind of like. Adelise uh, a Chapman on the field, striking people out off the field. Nah, no, not, not, no thanks. But, you know, so it's kind of like all this one big puzzle. Well, James Outman, I don't know if you know this, but he's an interesting character. <laughs> he's got a, and I've talked about this on a podcast before, but he has a pet rock and uh, a pet, pet rock. rock has like a, like a, a face painted on it uh, <laughs> and he he named it Rocca. so he talks to his pet rock and uh, uh, he's outman's given interviews about it and, and you know he's it's 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 not like a secret it's not like he's hiding this poor little rock in the back you know you know not ashamed of his pet rock no 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 he and his pet rock are out they're 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 out there and they're feeling good and they're loving life and i'm all for it i'm all for it uh, you only live once, brother. So I think he's going to be exciting. Of course, he hit a home run yesterday. And I may or may not have a tiny little bit wager of him to have over 0 0.5 hits for tonight. And he's currently Ooh. batting eight. So I'm all about some James Outman, Los Angeles Dodgers outfielder. Michael, what do you think about this guy in a pet rock? I love the pet rock angle. That's a lot of fun. I like... 
kooky baseball players. That's different. I never had a pet rock growing up, though, and I feel like I missed out on something, you know? I feel like I didn't get to connect with society quite like I could have if I did have a pet rock in my formative years. But in the end, James Altman was a guy that I drafted a couple times, and I actually dropped him right before opening day in one of my leagues, a CBS League 15-teamer. And I may come to regret that, because if you look at the outfield options I have, I had Conforto, Freely, Margot, Schwarber, Ward, and I basically came down to Margot versus Altman, and I decided to go with Manny Margot, who I really like this year. And I hope I don't come to regret that, because he really looked good last night. And if you look at 31 home runs combined last year between double and triple A, and he still had 18 more in 2021, so the power was real for a couple of years now in the minors, and He's on the Dodgers. I may have blown it. I may have made a huge mistake. So I am overreacting with terror and panic and fear right now. What have I done? What have I done? James Altman, please forgive me. Please. Well, if he goes <laughs> 0 for 4 tonight and then they sit him against lefties, all will be forgotten. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, I hope he yeah. goes 1 for 4 so you win your bet. Oh, thank you. Yes, I, I definitely... My my luck, he's going to like walk three times or something. You know, <laughs> you know what happened to me last year? I work at FTN, as you know, FTN bets, great place. Drops some bets, I, I, a lot of fun. Percent, am, am looking into that. I wish I could afford it. I've got yeah, it's true. Well, I've use that promo code Dalton. MJ Govier. Save a couple bones. You know, I'm absolutely, one hundred percent. I've but, looked at it, and yeah. the, the 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 track record is so is so good. It's so solid. hundred. Uh, MLB Dream is a guy who works there. He's incredible. He's the master. He is so good with player props. But I actually made a mistake last year when I first started there. I didn't know that total bases did not include walks. I made a mistake, and some guy got on me on YouTube in the comments. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful place, YouTube comments. You really get to know people in a very delicate way. It's a very sweet place, YouTube comments. And that guy read me the riot act because I said it on that video last year when I first started that I was taking a over on a total base prop. And I thought walks were part of it. And that's where I learned that. Hey, I don't know everything. I tell people that all the time. I'm just a human being like you and I. Michael, every lesson I've learned is the hard way. Like I, I've never <laughs> learned anything the easy way. And I learned exactly what you're talking about, that stolen bases don't count to total bases the hard way. <laughs> we grew up this very similar path, I believe, then, because I agree the same thing happened to me. It ha it definitely happens. But, uh, yeah, I, I love to uh, lay the occasional wager. Like tonight, I've got Manny Machado, speaking of total bases, over one and a half versus Kyle Freeland. Oh, I, you, you know how we were talking about Alf, and I think I may have just given away the answer. But so yesterday, <laughs> opening day, I, I wrote this down. I wanted to do a trivia question for you. Mm. So, all right. So um, there was a lot of good hitting, a lot of stolen bases yesterday, but there was one team that led the league in hits. They had the most hits. Can you name that team? It was 19, by the way. This team had 19 hits yesterday. Which team had 19 hits yesterday? Uh, was it Baltimore? The That's a great guess, but it was the Toronto Blue Jays. Oh. Give me anybody in that lineup. Uh, they yeah. And Bo Bichette's on fire second half of last year is now – I think going into this year, I love Boba Shet this year, but here's the real kicker: the the second team with the most hit at seventeen. Can you guess that team? Seventeen hits, second most in the, in the league, and it's not the Baltimore Orioles. Just uh, FYI. Hmm. Well, uh, was it the Rangers? Colorado Rockies. Wow, CJ Crone, Monster Day last night. Two home runs. Um, it, and it's not like Blake Snell's a bad pitcher, but maybe he's a second half guy too. I don't know. But <laughs> yeah, so the yeah. Colorado Rockies lit it up. Um, uh, uh, Alurius Montero, one of my favorite kind of sneaky corner infield guys. Uh, he played well. I think he went two for four. And um, I think I'm pretty sure he had a home run too. So. Yeah, the Colorado Rockies kind of laid it on the San Diego Padres. Took some, took some helium out of that 
um, delicious balloon and um, didn't even do the funny voice or anything. They just took the helium and like, yeah, none for you. So see ya. See ya never, That'll buddy. do. That'll yeah. do, pig. That'll so, do. So selfish. But that's what, but that's what happened. So we'll see about well, it. People tonight, love to so. dump on the Rockies too, by the way. They really do. But they showed them what's up for one night. Doesn't mean they're going to be a good team. But there's a bit more talent there than they give them credit for. But their pitching is awful. So that'll over the season, the pitching will just be garbage. So. And so that's why I picked uh, Manny Machado to hit uh, over one and a half total bases, hitting third against Kyle Freeland. I'm like. Manny's revenge. Manny's not going to let this happen. Manny's not going to let this go on in his house. No. Uh, or, or maybe he doesn't give a s. <laughs> <laughs> he can care less. He's got his yeah. money. Yeah, who cares? The other, right? I don't know. I don't. You know, he just got paid, so maybe. Marco, we know what these people are thinking. Yeah, no, certainly not. I know what they're thinking. They're thinking like I'm rich and you're not, so I really don't care what you think. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, Michael. Um, we're kind of coming up on an hour, but I absolutely want to hear uh, some of your main event experiences. Um, uh, so the NFBC does has these live drafts, summer auction, and you know they have very various drafts. And I love the NFBC; it's my favorite place to draft. And these live events get a lot of buzz because they're so much fun. And every, if you're listening to this podcast, then got. First, God bless you. And second of all, you also <laughs> listen to all the other podcasts and everybody talks about going to these line event, line, um, main events and just having the most fun and, you know, the sense of community and all that kind of stuff. And I know you went because I was um, following you on Twitter and I was watching your you would post uh, uh, videos and talking to Justin Mason and, you know, yeah. at your breaks and all that stuff. And I absolutely loved it. I absolutely loved it. So. Can you uh, tell us uh, about your main event experience? And I guess let's start off with, you know, the nitty gritty. Like, what 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 was the the league you were in? You know, like kind of give us the, the the setup a little bit. So there are eight leagues that draft simultaneously. Try to imagine this. The whole event took place at the Mirage Hotel, and apparently well, the Mirage is going out of business. It will oh no! Long. I love the Mirage. I've stayed there. Oh, well, I am so sorry, Britain. The party is over, my friend. It yeah. is going bye-bye next year. It's been bought by the Hard Rock. The sale is confirmed. It's done. And apparently they're going to turn it into a Hard Rock. So the history and the legacy of those two Why great men. Why is Hard Rock so successful? When, when I don't that, know. From like 1982, like, you know? <laughs> well, it's not Planet Hollywood, at least. But yeah, you're right. I don't really know. Uh, I don't really go to a Hard Rock ever, but I guess they still exist. You would think they kind of jumped the shark. But... I never been to the Mirage. I never went inside the Mirage, and the legacy of those two guys with their white tigers is all I ever knew about them. And there's a statue of them out there on the Strip to this day. I think that'll always be there, even if they totally change the Mirage with the volcano. If you ever been to Vegas, they got like a whole outdoor, watery volcano show they do at night at the Mirage, and we stayed there. And those eight drafts on a Saturday morning, all eight main events. Those are just eight. There was. Another main event that happened Thursday. I flew in on a Thursday, the 23rd. Our draft was that Saturday morning at 11 a.m. local time, Vegas time, on the 25th. And then in between, there's a bunch of auctions and uh, OCs, 12-team OCs. A lot of auctions, though. A lot of auctions take place in between all these other events. And we have a shotgun start. They do a Hall of Fame introduction. The, the newest person was added to the NFBC Hall of Fame. There's a big stage in this Mirage it's not a convention center, but it's a huge, huge conference room. Like the biggest conference room ever. I met, you know, they open up all those like flimsy walls that fold together, right? So you can have a massive yeah. room. And that's where we all were. And they did the presentation. This guy got inducted to the NFBC Hall of Fame. And they bring up all the other NFBC Hall of Famers and the previous winners of the main event overall and a lot of overall contests. Rob Silver won in 2016. He was up there. My guy, Jake Hallisker of Rotosaurus and High Stakes Heat. He was the... That's Mike's. Yeah. Yeah. Jake's great guy. He was an overall auction winner a couple of years back. He went up there. So they do all that. And then they say, let's draft. And then all eight drafts begin. And you have a horseshoe-shaped table of 15 different managers and you have a live moderator going from person to person his name was brady shout out to brady he's the best and then some other person sitting at a computer inputting each pick and 
There's a lot of guys in this league that I didn't know. Last year, I was filled with a lot of people who were in the public analysis game. You know, Justin Mason, Jeff Zimmerman, Scott Jenstad, Paul Spore. So I knew a lot of those guys, but apparently a lot of guys in my league this year, they're really, really good players, but I'm just not aware of them. The only people I did know was Anthony Gialdi, who's a great guy. He gives everybody Kansas City Moose shirts every year because he's from that area, and he that's his hockey team, and he just loves doing that. Anthony's such a fun-loving dude, and that was pretty much it, other than my buddy Rob Geis, who's from Michigan. He was in my draft. He's a regular NFBC drafter. And I also sat next to a guy named Matt Shepard, who is a huge Tigers fan, but I'd never met him. So isn't that weird? You just never know who some of these people are until you sit down next to them in real time because all you see are the names on the website until you get to their real life in person and you get to put a human being to the name behind the uh, experience, if you will. So so that's how it all set up there. U-shaped table, moderator, huge projected draft board, like 10 by 20 screen or 20 by 30 screen. All eight drafts have one of those. They're just... Drafting, as far as the eye can see, if you look, I was in the corner and I saw eight different massive draft boards, eight different massive tables. It's just such an awesome sight. If you love drafting, it is the ultimate draft experience. It is so much fun. You know, what's funny is that the whole the whole time you're thinking you're, you're talking about all this big picture, you know, Im, you know, important stuff. And I'm thinking, I wonder what Michael brought as like a snack. You know, like, <laughs> they serve food. Like There's a food break. I'm like. So do you, you know, uh, did you bring like a granola bar or did you do like something sugar or are you thinking like caffeine? You know, I just had a water. What's your snack strategy, which has nothing to do with anything, which is probably why I should never waste any money on a main event. (laughs) I'm worried about your snack game. Not, you know, you're talking about you know, your auction game, but uh, I love snacks. I didn't have any though. I don't like to eat during the draft. I like to focus just on drafting and have a bottle of water. That's all I need, but they do serve a really good spread after I think the 20th pick, they do a break between 10th pick, 20th pick, and then it closes out and they have a nice spread of like, you know, it's a buffet style and you can fill up your plate with all kinds of foods. Yeah, you you got to have some food to keep everybody in those good spirits. You know, keep everybody in a, in a happy mood. But well, the NFBC you know, does it right. They put on a good setup and a good spread. It's all credit to them, Derek and Tom and Greg. Those guys are the best. I really mean that. They're always hospitable and they do a great job. Yeah, hundred percent. No, I love the uh, NFBC. That was I first my first NFBC league was in twenty twenty, which was the uh, the COVID year, and I do all my stuff online. You know, draft champions. I don't. I'm not. Me uh, too. That was my yeah, first so, year. Yeah, we were both was, rookies so. at the same time. I'd never heard of it, and I've been playing fantasy baseball for 20 years before that. Yeah, and so I just thought, you know, I'll, I'll give it a shot, and I, I, I like the the setup. Of, of course, I love the drafting. You know, to me, uh, the doing drafting is kind of the funnest part of, of fantasy baseball. I, I I love the the draft champions, you know, 50 rounds, 750 players, <laughs> and, you know, you – I love going back and look at players that I drafted last year in round 43 and being like, what was I on that night? You know, who knows like, <laughs> why, why I picked Yoho Pozo, the you know, catcher <laughs> from the Texas Rangers. Like I Yosper thought that was, Zululeta. Yeah. I thought that was a thing. Apparently I don't know what was going on there, but uh, yeah. But so what do you think of your team? And I, you know, your, your, uh, can you give us a rundown of, of who you picked in your main event? Yeah, I really didn't love how it played out. I mean, this is the toughest room you'll ever be in. These live main events. Remember, it's a $1,750 entry fee. Whoa. So it's a huge commitment. I never I never thought I would spend that much money on a team. I thought that was the most ludicrous, ludicrous, ridiculous, absurd thing I'd ever heard in my life. But here I am. It's my third year doing it. And I found out that like I could compete with these people. I mean, they're good, but... I belong, so it starts to become more realistic and doable when you first initially hear about it. You're like, what the hell? That is insane. I'm not spending. I mean, we have like a $200 buy-in. As I recall, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I could have sworn that we've talked before. Didn't you finish like third in your league uh, in your first main event or something like that? I did. 
Yeah, I made my yeah. money back, and I'd never been happier to finish third. <laughs> well, hey, dude, third, third, third's a great finish. You know, a lot of things have to go right to finish third. Now, almost everything has to go right to finish first, and it's a fine line, but still, yeah, you know, it's a small, it's a small, thin line between first, second, and third. But usually, but that's, yeah, <laughs> typically. But um, so you're out there and you're out there in Las Vegas at the Mirage. Um, you, you're kind of hobnobbing with some of the guys. Like, did, <laughs> did you uh, you're pretty well known. I mean, you, you know, it's not like you're like me, like you'd be some rando out there, you know, being like, <laughs> oh, hey, Rob Silver, I like your podcast. You know, it's <laughs> like you've met all these guys before. So they, they probably like. You know, and I think you also do that Mike the Mouth, uh, you know, midnight thing. Do you have? I did it do, once last year. Yeah, did, last year you did. All right. Do, oh. do you have like any uh, any any uh, stories or, any, you know, you know any any kind of like ran you know random you know uh, stories about any of these guys? The one that stands out was last year at the main event. Well, not the main event at the Midnight Madness, which every year Mike the Mouth. Mike Masato, he's a guy who's known in NBC. I think his his actual title on Twitter is the NFBC Godfather or Godfather NFBC. And he throws a party every Friday night, which is the night before the main events on Saturday morning. And he rents out a spot. Last year, he was at the Bellagio, a big old suite. And that was a whirlwind for me because I got to meet a lot of people I'd never met before. So last year was more of like the, oh, hi, I'm Michael. And I got to know people. This year, you're right. A lot of people came up to me at the party at the Mirage this year, which was at a really cool spot that was kind of hidden off, but then opened up into this big kind of pit of openness where it was really comfy and a lot of room to mingle and run around and talk to people. And people came up to me and they said, oh, I love your videos. And, you know, I really, people... I'm just telling you what they said to me, okay? I'm not bragging here. They just said that they really appreciated my honesty about life. And several people said they appreciate how emotional I was, which I'm not sure if that means like I'm a wreck. Like, I'm emotional every day. Or that they just appreciated that I was honest. So either uh, way. Um, you're, you're honest and you 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 wear your, your, your feelings openly. And that's what, that's what people like identify with. It's like. The other day I was watching, uh, I have HBO and I was flipping the channels and I saw the movie. Do you remember Walk the Line? Hell about, yeah. I love that. Johnny, Johnny Cash, Cash biopic. Yeah. And, uh, and, and the, the producer that first was talking to Johnny Cash, you know, he was playing some of these old crusty songs. He's like, yeah, people don't identify with that. You need to, you need to have a song from the heart. And you know, that's, that's when right. Johnny did his thing. I think it's, that's all true. You just gotta, and that's why you're, you know, everybody, I, I think like gravitates towards your podcast because you know, everybody can, anybody can get up there and read a bunch of fan graph stuff say, well, you know, the spin rate is X and <laughs> against right-handers. He does Y, but your yeah. podcast, the Palazzo podcast, two L's, two Z's is so great because there's a lot of good information, but you know, you've got some of the, the best drops in there that I love. So it's like, you know, this, uh, everything that rises must converge. Right. So it's, it's like the synthesis of like, two great things. And, and I'm, I just, I, I absolutely love it. I'm, I'm so happy it's been as successful as it's, as it's been. And also from a podcasting standpoint, just, you know, kind of nuts and bolts of them. Like, I like, I don't know how you do it because I'm just lucky if I press one of the right buttons and just, yeah. you know, something happens and you're it's... doing like all this other kind of wizard stuff back there. Like <laughs> the, don't man wizard the mind stuff. in the curtain. You know, like fires going off. There's a witch dead. Like no one knows what's going on. But you've got it all figured out, man. I'm, 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 I'm couldn't be happier with uh, your podcast. It's awesome. That's putting it mildly. There you go. I just did one for you, just for us, just just for us. There. That's James that Cromwell. Hilarious. See, you don't even know where that's. That's James Cromwell from the movie The Queen. You would never know where that's from, but it fits so well when somebody says something to have a nice understated. That's putting it mildly. I love it, but. I want to thank you for that because I tried to talk about this recently when we did the Potapalooza that Justin Mason does every year. He raises money for a charity, does a bunch of shows for basically 40, well, 10 hours straight for two days straight. Yeah. And we were talking about what makes a good podcast. It was me, Baseball Pods, Chris, who's awesome, Justin, and Dave McDonald. I'm not sure why Dave was there. He was just there to hang out. But you know, Baseball Pods <laughs> is like the 
Alms Budsman. He knows he knows all the baseball pods. He listens to them all, and that's why he has the Twitter handle Baseball Pods. Yes. And I was saying that nobody can do what I do, and I don't say that arrogantly. I say it because it's yes, true. I hope I host a show. I run this board here. I also run a live. I live stream my show simultaneously while I record it for a podcast afterwards. We got a live chat where people are interacting. I'm Crazy. trying to post those in real time. Run the board. And think about the players we're talking about and host and direct the show. So, yeah, it's it's probably one of the more impressive things I've ever done, frankly. <laughs> it, it, it's it's great. And, it, you know, you probably don't you, – you know, you've got a lot of fans, and I'm sure at the main event and at first pitch Arizona, people come up to you and, and you know, say things. But, you know, it's kind of like when you walk into the kitchen at night and you flip on and you see one roach, and you're like, oh, man, that's gross, and you kill the roach. Well, there are – and not that your fans are roaches, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's <laughs> yes, like, I get there it. are 10,000 others that just, uh, you know, aren't walking into your kitchen at night. You, you know? Damn right. So Damn that, right. That, that, that's exactly true. But uh, no, I, I, that's, that's fair. And, you know, people came up to me, a guy, Mark Cerebro, he's a guy who's a really, really good longtime NFBC player. He came up to me on Thursday night when we got there in Vegas, me and Leanne. I went with my wife, Leanne, too, which was great to have her along. Shout out, Leanne. Shout out, Leanne. She's the best. Sweetest. See, if, if I were like you, I would have a, a button I could press and I could hear the, the tears for fears. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. We should shut her out. There we go. There it is. And it's just that easy, see? But I had to press three banks in a row to get to that bank. That's behind yeah, I don't, the scenes. I don't know that's what a little bit of the... I mean, do they See, have exactly. There? What the hell's yeah. going on here? But he came up to me, and he's not really known as like a very sweet, gracious guy. He's he's kind of he's a really good player, but he's just kind of his own man. And he really said all these super nice things about me. And Leanne was I impressed my own wife. She's like, oh my gosh, that that wasn't that was unprompted. He just came up to you and said these really kind things about the things you do on Twitter, and it was really sweet. And it was. It was kind of overwhelming. I was like, wow, that is so kind. Thanks, dude. And he that was it. And he just walked away and went about his life. And I never talked to him again the rest of the weekend. But it's just moments like that you have, they really, really stick with you. And it just reminds me of just to keep going, you know, because sometimes you don't know how people are yeah. taking in your content. Well, you're putting stuff out there into the world with an intent to connect with people through videos or podcasts, fantasy baseball, or, you know, I do other shows about movies and stuff too. So you never... You don't always get a constant email or a constant post back saying, oh, I love this. Let's, this is cool. Or where they offer advice to change it up. So I don't take those for granted. Plus, I've been to hell and back. I know the the terrible, terrible downtrodden side of life where things are never going your way and it seems like life is truly hopeless. I do know that aspects of it. So it just makes me that much more grateful when I get a chance to connect with people like that in person and may sound cheesy to some of you, but it's true. I'm not kidding. And I do appreciate every time I get the opportunity to do that with somebody in real time. Well, everyone should go listen to your podcast. If someone is listening at this stage of the podcast, it's probably my mom. Hey, mom, Kathy <laughs> Allen, thank you very much. Thank you, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you, mom. Um, you're fantastic. <laughs> and thank you. Uh, any of my wife's friends that left it on while they were doing other stuff. I also <laughs> really appreciate that. I know you, I know you're doing it for, for, for me, Sarah, but, uh, Michael, thank you so much for being here. Follow Michael at Twitter, MJ Govia and the Palazzo podcast, two L's, two Z's point break, drop, bang, you know, Utah, give me two. There it is. That's brilliant. Good, and also, good. if you want to, if we, I know we ran out of time, but we did get a chance to talk about my actual main event team. If you want more of that, come to the Palazzo Podcast. We have a free Discord. Go to my Twitter handle. The Discord link's at the top. It's totally free, and we just talk about fantasy baseball and all kinds of stuff in there all day long. So we can break that down and discuss it, or just talk about what you're going to do for your next streaming pitcher or tomorrow's lineup or whatever it is that's on your mind. I'm glad you brought that up because I am a, uh, a Discord member of Palazzo podcast. I love it. All good people posting on discord, you know, like this lineup, that lineup, a lot of it sits, you know, sit, start decisions, which is kind of what you need. You want to outsource that stuff. Well, these people are of, amazing. Yeah. Cause frankly, I don't want to look up if I got three lefties coming on and I just <laughs> want to post something on discord and say, Hey, should I start this guy? Cause somebody else already did that. You know, 
It's kind right. of like, why reinvent the wheel when I could just go to Discord and ask a question? Because Exactly. And yeah. all these people have been doing this in here. I met them through the Discord last year. We've They are as knowledgeable as anybody else. And these are just players for the most part. But they are so tuned in and so dedicated to posting in the Discord all day, every day. Yeah. You know, Chad and Jamie and Jared and uh, Deep Fried Butt Leavens. Yeah, that's the guy's name. I don't know his real name. Wookie Seriously. D. Shout out Wookie <laughs> yeah. D. Yeah. yeah, exactly. All these people, they just want to keep it rolling. And I'm so grateful for them because they do a lot of the work that I don't have to do. And I'm already busy as it is. So, guys, Palazzo Discord people, everybody who makes it go every day, I salute you all and I thank you. I do, too. Shout out all the Plazo fans, too. Um, thank you, Michael. I'm going to let you go, but this isn't going to be the last time I talk to you. I, I'm going to hopefully have you again on so we can talk sometime during during the year because it's always a joy and a pleasure. So thank you, my friend. Palazzo Podcast, the Plazgo, uh, Plazzo Discord is also free and at MJ Govier. FTN too. Groove with F Govier comes out every Wednesday. It's a great article. FTN Fantasy. Go check That's Michael free. out. All right. I got to hit the button. Have a great week. Thanks for listening.